Howdy, folks. Ah, there you are. And just in time. Beware of hitchhiking ghosts. Today, I want to share with you some of our ideas for Disney World. Yo ho, yo ho, a parent's life for me. A parent's life for me. A parent's life for me. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we'd love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort. And we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Walt Disney World memories and their connections to the parks we know and love today. I am Dewey, and I am one of your hosts, and this is episode number 15 of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Stick around towards the end of the show for more information on how you can contact us and become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future shows. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony. What's going on, Ron? Hey, man. After a long, it's been a long week, honestly. So I'm I'm looking forward to just hanging with you guys and talking all things Disney. I'm looking forward to the to the day. It's been, like I said, it's been a busy week. I agree. I uh, I looked at the calendar. There were 11 days this week. I I don't know how that happened. It was strange. I had 11 <laughs> days in my week. So I had a long week too. I'm right there with you, Ron. How about you, Tony? What's going on, buddy? Did you have an 11 day week also? I don't even remember the week part of it. It's actually been more of a geek part, uh, month. There have been so many things happening this month uh, between the announcements of D23 last year. I'm sorry, Disney Plus last week and D23 this weekend. And I'm all psyched up for the new Beatles thing on Disney Plus this week. There's so many things that are happening geek-wise that I'm pretty psyched for this Thanksgiving. So it looks like Tony has put oh, put the eleven day week behind him, and he's yeah, already refocused. I'm forgetting about it. I, I, I'm I'm here for the uh, for the fun part. Awesome, awesome. That's a good perspective. Maybe, hey, hey, Ron, let's forget the eleven day week. Let's think of happy thoughts. Well, that brings up a good point. I mean, I don't know when this. I I'm not in the producing of the show, so I I can't remember. Are we? a week ahead or anyway it's thanksgiving week coming up are you guys yes. traveling no yeah we actually uh we are not a week ahead we are um i guess you could say days. right on schedule yes. we'll be recording on the weekend and this this show will be be uh i was going to say revealed but i guess released to our adoring fans all 27 of them <laughs> uh, uh on tuesday so yeah we're right on schedule so um Yes, it is about to be, I guess, today's Sunday, so it's the Thanksgiving week. It's I'm also Michigan week. It's who? Michigan week. 
Uh, nobody cares about them Yankee football teams. <laughs> oh, I care about it. So, <laughs> so here's a, so just not trying to take us totally off track, but I guess I've already done it. So let's just stay there for a minute. We're, we're traveling for the holidays and we're also going to the OSU Michigan game, oh. Michigan. So we're already pretty pumped about that bucket list item. So you've never been to a, a Ohio, a Ohio state versus Michigan game. I have not. Oh, that, that is a big deal. That's yeah. uh, if you're a, if you're a fan of either team, that's something that you kind of, like you said, a bucket list. That's something you got to do. And it's super, it was super expensive. Thankfully. Well, not thankfully I'd rather see it in the shoe, but we're going to go on up to Michigan and see it at the big house. So I've never been to their stadium and um, tickets were still a little expensive, but not as much as they would have been if it would have been at the shoe. Is that far hey. for you? Well, we'd be we're going to Ohio anyway, so okay. it's a couple more hours past to get to the game. Yeah, so word to the wise, Ron. Um, I've been to Michigan. Uh, I was there in several years ago. I went there for um, a military. We call them TDY. That stands for temporary duty. Uh, it's basically yeah. a, an Air Force business trip. But I went to Michigan TDY um, a decade ago, and but I was there in July. And I still had to wear a jacket every morning. <laughs> it was so cold. So, and that was a July. I was wearing a jacket in the morning. So you're going to Michigan in November. And, Better- and it's supposed to be 20 in Tennessee next week. Yeah. So Ooh. I am not used to, I, it was 47 this week. And I'm like, this is cold. <laughs> and, and I've lost some weight and I've been in the South now. So I'm expecting fully to literally freeze, but I'm trying to, I put some things, we were at the store last night and saw some hand warmers. So I bought those for everyone that's going, but it's going to be cold. Pack the long johns, buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> You're going to need some multiple layers. Uh, so I'm not traveling uh, this year. We've, uh, we're just going to stick around the house and uh, eat some turkey and do those things, watch some football. Got uh, my Cowboys fan. They'll be playing on Thanksgiving like they do every year. And then my Hogs are going to play uh, Missouri on Friday. Both will be on television. So I'll be planted on the couch for both of those games. So that turkey and football are my Thanksgiving plans. What about you, Tony? What are you doing? You got anything oh, going on? No, we're staying in. And we are, as I mentioned, uh, the next weekend is the three-part uh, Beatle thing. So I'm going to be watching that on Disney+. Plus. And I, I also found out there's a, a, a di- related to the show, there's a Disney special coming on on the 28th uh, where they're going to be talking about the Magic Kingdom and, and all the new things that are happening. So we'll be staying home, watching that kind of thing. And Is that on network, run. Tony? That's going to be on ABC, I believe. And then it's going to be that available the next, the next day, they said, on Hulu. Nice. Awesome. So, so fellas, hope you guys have a, a good Thanksgiving coming Same up this week. And, you yeah. know, safe travels, Ron. But uh, let's go ahead and go ahead and get started with the show. Let's hop on over to the main segment for the week. So this week, we thought that we would show some love and appreciation to something at the Walt Disney World Resort that probably every single visitor to the Magic Kingdom or to the Vacation Kingdom of the World, as it was known back in the 70s, has experienced. But, But you guys probably don't really spend much time thinking about it. And that is the Walt Disney World ferry boats over on the Seven Seas Lagoon. 
to most of us, these boats are probably just mode of transportation. They, we use them to get from the parking lots at the Magic Kingdom uh, and over, over the lagoon so that we can, you know, go experience Space Mountain and Haunted Mansion and all that kind of stuff. But believe it or not, there's actually so much more to these boats than just an alternative to the monorail. You know, when the monorail line is too long, you go hop on the ferry boat or whatever. There's more to the ferry boats than just being an alternate to the monorail. So we thought it would be fun to take a closer look at these unique and interesting floating people movers. So let's get it started, fellas. Y'all ready? I'm ready. Let's, let's go. go. All righty. So when the Walt Disney World project or the Florida project was in its planning stages, the Walt Disney and his Imagineers began planning this very ambitious project. They took many lessons that they had learned from their experiences in Disneyland to make the new Disney World a better version of the original. And one of the things that Walt Disney always talked about, and you can even see this in his, in his introduction, the video or the, the program that they recorded uh, on his Sunday night show, when he introduced the Florida Project, he always referred to the blessing of size. And the blessing of size was one of the most important ways the creative team planned on improving upon Disneyland. When Disneyland first opened, it became obvious that the theme park was going to be a success. The mad rush to occupy the land that surrounded the Disneyland park uh, was just, you know, it, they just rushed in. They just wanted to take advantage of all of those people that were rushing in to see Disneyland. But unfortunately, what that did for Walt Disney and, and his Imagineers was that it left very little room for the theme park to expand. Walt wanted to make sure that the same problem didn't occur when they made their second attempt. So when planning began for the new Magic Kingdom, they wanted the new castle, this time to be called Cinderella's Castle, to be more spectacular than the original Sleeping Beauty's Castle in Disneyland. Budget issues had forced the Imagineers to build a smaller castle than they had originally planned for Disneyland. When they, they were determined not to make the same mistake twice, so the design for Cinderella's castle was truly royal and grand in scale. And in order to allow for a grand reveal, Walt had this idea that uh, the grand reveal for the Magic Kingdom castle would 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 be this this sight to see and you guys really if you think about it now you when you're coming through the tunnel you know the 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 railroad the main street railroad the station there you know it kind of blocks your view of the castle and then when you come out of the castle poof there it is you know that was the idea walt wanted this grand reveal but it was meant to start even before the main street uh the train station there at main street so in order for the grand reveal of the castle when approaching the Magic Kingdom, the Imagineers placed the park on the outer edge of a body of water that was named the Seven Seas Lagoon. But setting the Magic Kingdom over a mile away from the parking lot created a need for a transportation system, or more specifically, two transportation systems to get guests from the Transportation and Ticket Center, or uh, more commonly known as the TTC, over to the gates of the Magic Kingdom. So these, the first of these two transportation systems was the Walt Disney World monorail. And that's a story for another day. 
We'll talk about the monorail system later. Today, we're going to discuss the second of those two transportation systems, the Walt Disney World ferry boats. On opening day, the Seven Seas Lagoon was home to a small fleet of watercraft used for both transportation and for leisure. Among these were the hotel launches, which uh, were meant to set, take basically meant to shuttle guests back and forth from the hotels that were on the, on the water there. They had the, the contemporary and the Polynesian at that time. So those hotel launches were meant to take hotel guests back and forth. And then there was a collection of varying sized boats that guests could rent for use around both Bay Lake and the Seven Seas Lagoon. They had the, the, the bob about boats, then they had those little uh, water sprites, those little one or two person, little looks like miniature speed boats. Those things were pretty cool. Uh, and then, of course, there were the Osceola-class side-wheeler steamships that were used to ferry park goers across the Seven Seas Lagoon over from the TTC. There were two vessels of these side-wheeler-style ships. One was named the Porto Call, and the second was named the Southern Seas. These two ships were relatively small, and they only carried about 250 passengers, and uh, for the crossing, and they utilized steam-fired engines that used diesel fuel as their propellant. The smaller scale of these vessels meant that in a rough, windy Florida thunderstorm, which I'm pretty sure we've probably all experienced, uh, that they could be quite literally blown around the lagoon. These vessels actually had uh, anchors, 90-pound uh, anchors, that were meant not to stop or slow the vessel down, but literally meant to keep them from being blown off course when there was a, a really powerful storm. So the smaller vessels created a little bit of a, of a I guess you could say a safety concern uh, during those, those tough, those tough storms. So these two ships, like I said, they were capable of only carrying about 250 passengers. So relatively small, both in scale and in capacity. Add that to the fact that a single cycle, meaning a cycle was uh, their uh, loading, travel across the lagoon, docking and unloading took an excruciating 25 minutes. So that's a, that's a pretty long, uh, long time. So think about a round trip to do that twice was quite, very, very near a full hour just to get from one side to the next and back. So, you know, it, they had two of them, but it still took a half hour to get to one side and another half hour to get back. So the, the hour was, a, was a, a big negative. Add that and then, you know, also factor in that they also had a tendency to break down when the steam power, if the steam power got so low, it would become incapable of powering the ship when, when the steamships got low on water. Now you got a cause for concern. But these limitations weren't necessarily a big problem at first. Because when the Walt Disney World Resort opened 50 years ago on October 1st, 1971, it opened to very modest opening day crowds. And many of the naysayers, those who doubted that a theme park could succeed in Central Florida, pointed to these modest crowds as proof that they were right. But the Walt Disney Company, they weren't quite worried. They weren't worried just yet. They had learned from their experiences of opening Disneyland in 1955 
and they use these modest crowds to to create a sort of a soft opening for the park they knew that opening a new park would have inevitable kinks in the in the in the gears you know they knew that there would be problems come up things that they had not anticipated and knew that there would be issues to work through when opening such a massive project so they would be ready when those crowds did show up and they didn't have to wait for very long for those crowds to show up because right around the corner was the thanksgiving holiday of 1971 and excited disney fans began rushing to the vacation kingdom of the world and it became very very clear very quickly that these two fairies weren't going to be able to handle the larger crowds that the park executives believed would eventually be coming and would eventually become the norm or uh, you know they they believed that normal park operations were going to to be expecting those larger crowds so after that eye-opening period of dramatic rise in visitors in November of 1971, park executives started looking around for inspiration, trying to find a better way to ferry those, those guests across the Seven Seas Lagoon. They looked to, to the Staten Island Ferry for inspiration. These new ferry boats would take styling cues as well as technical specifications from the large ferries used to carry New Yorkers between the two boroughs of Manhattan and Staten Island. Besides size, these ferries also utilize pilot houses and docking capabilities on both ends of the boats. This made docking much quicker and much easier. No longer did the ships or the boats have to maneuver themselves from one side because you could only get in from one side. If you have an exit and an entry and exit on both ends, you never have to switch or turn the ship around. It can just park, it park, go straight in and park. So at 120 feet long and 34 feet wide and just about 31 feet tall, these much larger ships allowed guests to use both the first and second floors for their journey to over to the gates of the Magic Kingdom. The first two of these new and much larger Seven Seas Lagoon ferry boats arrived and were put into service in July of 1972. So you think about it, November of 71 was when they identified that their smaller boats, those smaller ferry boats weren't going to get the job done and when they were already backing up. It only took from November when they noticed the problem uh, and then building and putting into service in July of 72 was a pretty quick turnaround. So these two boats named the Magic Kingdom 1 and the Magic Kingdom 2 greatly outperformed their predecessors with a capacity to, capacity to carry about 600 guests per crossing and a load, travel, dock, and unload time of about 10 minutes. So much better in both capacity and in speed. The two boats were virtually identical with the exception of the names and different color schemes on their exteriors. Magic Kingdom 1 had green panels and Magic Kingdom 2 had red panels. This increase in guest capacity was four times that of the capacity of the 1970s era monorail and quadrupled the capacity of the previous ferries that they were using. And the new ferries did all of that in about half the time that it took the Osceola class ferries to get the job done. 
In June of 1976, a third ferry boat named the Kingdom Queen was added to the Seven Seas Lagoon fleet and sported blue panels on its exterior. These three ferry boats faithfully served guests for the next two decades before they made some changes. In the late 1990s, the Walt Disney Company and the Walt Disney World Resort executives renamed the three Seven Seas Lagoon ferries to honor three men who were instrumental in making Walt's East Coast Florida project a reality. The Magic Kingdom One was renamed the Richard F. Irvine after Disney artist Richard Irvine. He first joined the Walt Disney Company in 1943 as an art director and was one of the original members of WED Enterprises, which we now know is Walt Disney Imagineering. And he led that group of designers, artists, architects, and engineers that ultimately designed and built Disneyland. As the creative head of WED Enterprises, he was also in charge of the creative team that designed and built Walt Disney World until his retirement in 1973. Richard Irvine unfortunately died on March 30th, 1976, just about three years after he retired. And the Magic Kingdom One was renamed in his honor. The Magic Kingdom Two was renamed the Admiral Joe Fowler after retired United States Navy Admiral Joe Fowler. Following a 32 year naval career, Admiral Fowler was tapped by Walt Disney himself to oversee the construction of Disneyland. Upon completion of the Disneyland construction, Admiral Fowler served as supervising manager of the park for the first 10 years until he was asked by Roy Disney to lead construction of Walt Disney World. He held three titles during this time. Sounds like a busy guy. He was the senior vice president and engineering and construction for Walt Disney Productions. He was the chairman of the board for WED Enterprises and he was the director of Disney's Buena Vista Construction Company. Admiral Fowler retired from the Walt Disney Company in 1978, and he died in 1993 at the age of 99 years old. Magic Kingdom II was renamed in his honor. And then the Kingdom Queen, the third of the Seven Seas Lagoon Ferries, was renamed the General Joe Potter after retired United States Army Major General Joe Potter. Following a 38-year career with the United States Army, General Joe Potter was hired personally by Walt Disney himself in 1965 to direct construction of the Florida Project's infrastructure. Potter, who had been the governor of the Panama Canal Zone while with the Army, was known for his revolutionary construction techniques and was inspired, or actually, uh, inspired Walt Disney to hire him for his gigantic construction projects. After construction was complete, General Potter became the resort's vice president and was serving as the chair of the Epcot planning team until he retired in 1974. Major General Joe Potter died on December 5th, 1998, and the Kingdom Queen was named, renamed in his honor. And today, those three ferry boats continue to usher guests from one side of the Seven Seas Lagoon all the way to the other side, 365 days a year. So those ships, those boats have been in service since uh, the mid 1970s. And here we are 2021, and they're still faithfully serving the Seven Seas Lagoon and Walt Disney World Resort guests to this day. So I thought that would be fun just to take a look at uh, some of the history of the Walt Disney World ferry boats 
over on the Seven Seas Lagoon. So how about you guys? What do you guys, you guys have any stories or memories that you'd like to share of a fun time or something interesting you may have seen on one of your ferry boat passages? How about for you, Ron? Me, I think you yeah, for you me, a, um, an interesting story. Yeah, for me, it was in 1976, believe it or not. We um, took the ferry boat. We took the monorail the morning, but it, that night, the crowd seemed to be just overwhelming the monorail. So my dad was all about getting out as fast as possible. And so we got on the um, ferry boat. I don't know which one. And as we were riding, um, we saw the electric parade on the water, which was really cool. We didn't know that existed. Oh, the, um, the water pageant. Yeah. And so that was yeah, really awesome. cool to see going as well as just enjoying the, the, the ride across that. So it was fun. So do you remember what month of 1976 you were there? It was summer, but that's all I remember. It seems like it could have been July, but I really don't know. Okay, that's pretty cool, because if you were there in July, uh, you, you were probably on, at that time, the brand new uh, brand new ferries, because the, the, my research showed that they opened or, you know, began using those in July of 76. So wow. you were probably on the, I mean, literally yeah. brand new, still shiny and sparkling uh, Walt Disney World ferry boat. That's pretty cool. That is cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, I uh, I remember like, you know, for some reason, I don't even really know why uh, my, my family, when I was little, always took the ferry boat. I, I don't know if it was just bigger so if we thought we got there quicker i don't know but um i remember my very first trip we definitely took the the ferry boat from from the ttc over to magic kingdom first time there so my very first experience going to the magic kingdom uh was on one of the ferry boats so and see that would have been in 85 so at that time they were still magic kingdom one and magic kingdom two so uh, that's pretty cool for you know for my recollections. I look, I've been I've I've been there a bunch of times. So some 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 of the really cool views. I love just uh, you get that breeze coming off the water, even even on a hot sticky Florida uh, you know July or August day, you still get a really nice breeze coming off the water on that ferry boat ride and great views if you're on. If you're on the left side of the boat, you get uh, the Polynesian and the, the Grand Floridian. If you're on the right side, then you get the, the views of the contemporary and stuff. And, and, you know, just, you know, really, really great experience. Pretty, it's cool. And I've, I've always enjoyed taking the ferry boats. I've been on them a few times when, you know, we were trying to beat the rush and we would leave before the park closed. And uh, I've been on the ferry boat heading back to the TTC and uh, watch the fireworks going oh, off so that's yeah, a really that's cool that's a really good vantage point you know you can see all of magic kingdom uh you know as you're you're getting a little bit further away from magic kingdom as as you get closer to the ttc and you can see you know you see all the fireworks it's a really great uh vantage point to to check out the check out the fireworks unfortunately 
I don't know if they do it now. I know when I've I've done it in the past, they didn't have the fireworks music on the ferry boat. That seems like that would be something. You know, you would you would think that that would be relatively easy to do, but and maybe they do it now. I don't know, but I in my memories uh, it was not. So you just had to hum the music in your head, I guess. <laughs> but I I do remember several times watching the fireworks from the ferry boats and. It's it's a really neat vantage point. You know, it's I, you know, and Ron, you're going to give me a hard time because I've been so many times. But, <laughs> um, you know, once <laughs> once you've been there a bunch of times, then it, I, I like to do things different. I like to experience new things. So, you know, I've seen the fireworks while riding Splash Mountain. I've seen the fireworks while riding Thunder Mountain Railroad. You know, so different vantage points, different views. I've I've watched the fireworks while sitting beside uh, Dumbo and New Fantasyland. So I'm, you're kind of seeing them from the side rather than from, you know, in front of them if you're on Main Street. So I like doing things different and, and having those new vantage points and seeing, you know, the differences from in different perspectives. So watching the fireworks on the the ferry boats has uh, kind of ranks up there. It was really uh, interesting and unique. I really enjoyed it. Maybe one day I'll get to go to the parks on an everyday occurrence and, and take advantage of these different vantage points until then I have to be able to enjoy the music and, and see it from main street because I know that view's good. Well, they do. I mean, you do hear the music no matter where you are in the park. So if you're, Oh, well, that's cool. You know, so they they piped the music in uh, when I, I remember watching them from over there by Dumbo in New Fantasyland. We were just sitting on one of the uh, one of the rock walls, just taking it easy. It was pretty, pretty secluded. Not wasn't very crowded over there. So you weren't elbow to elbow with people, you know, and uh, the music was, you know, piped in. You could hear the at that time. I think it was still wishes. So. You know, we heard the wishes music and everything and could see the fireworks from over there. It was pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, hey, Disney, if you're listening, pipe in the fireworks right. music on the ferry boat. Because they pipe it other that places would be, for sure. Um, I know that they do. If you're watching it like from the poly, if you're yeah. on the beach at the poly, you can hear the music and stuff. So and have I believe one of you mentioned to me that or mentioned on a previous episode that you've watched the fireworks from California Grill, right? Yep. Wasn't that, wasn't that, was that you, Ron? We've definitely done, I'm trying to remember. I've seen it from there and also from Cinderella's Royal Table. Okay. So, so I've from, seen it, I've seen it from um, Ohana's and they pipe it there. And okay. we saw the castle from California Grill, but we didn't see the fireworks. I don't remember it being piped. I, I, when I stayed at the contemporary that one time, I don't remember it, the music being piped in. I just remember seeing the fireworks. Do you know when was that? How long ago? Uh, more than 10 years ago, like maybe 15 okay. years ago. Do they have the music in there now? Because if they have it at Ohana's, my guess would be that they, yeah. they probably have added it to California Grill or whatever, too. So listen up, Disney. Let's get the let's get the fireworks music on the ferry boats too. So, well, as far as far as the ferry boats go, I think uh, that's one of the transportation systems that most people probably take for granted. Because I think when you're getting to Disney World, you're thinking you want to go to all the most advanced 
things that are there, at least in, in my time. And so you see the monorail and you're like, okay, this is modern technology. I have to take that. I'm not going to take some old ferry boat across the water. But the great thing about it is that it offers you, as you said, that breeze, that air, that view. Uh, and um, I remember speaking of stories, I remember that I was right. I, I used to always like the um, monorail, but when I discovered the ferry boats, I, I don't think I ever went back to going up in the monorail. And I think at one point I started feeling claustrophobic in my life. And I was uh, concerned about being closed in in the monorail. And I think it was starting to get stuck. We're talking about 15 years ago. So <laughs> we were starting to get stuck more and they were starting to have certain problems. And the, the idea of that was beginning to overwhelm me. So I, I started taking the ferry boat as a regular thing, even if it meant um, that it cuts down some of the, your travel time to get to the park. It, it, it still, for me, it was worth it. Look, I've been on... I don't get claustrophobic. That's I don't get that. But I've been on the monorail at park closing or whatever when there's a billion people trying to get out. Yeah, and they stuff those things. They do as much as they can. You know, of course, we're well, they stuff the boats too. But they they stuff the boats too. But at least there's um, there's air. They're open air, right? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't get claustrophobic, and I've been uncomfortable on one of those super crowded monorail rides. Whereas a, a super crowded ferry boat, you still got that breeze, you know, you still got the, you know, windows on both sides and everything. It's, it's a, when there's that crowded, it is a more enjoyable experience than, you know, sardines in a can yeah. when you're on that monorail at closing time. Really, and, really crowded. And it's kind of fun that you said that it was um, inspired by or based on the Staten Island ferry ones, uh, because I was thinking... I have been commuting to New York City, where I live uh, across the water in New Jersey, and I commute to New York uh, in a ferry. And I was always thinking the fact that it, it reminded me of the ferry that we had in in, uh, in Disney World. It takes about 12 to 15 minutes to get from here to, to Manhattan. And um, so it's kind of interesting to hear that, that, that they were kind of based on, on the ferry system that we have here. I, I totally see that. And, and that's kind of why we decided to, to talk about the ferry boats this week, because, again, most of us just take it for granted. It's just a way to get us from the TTC to the, uh, to, to the gates of the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, a, really a lot of planning and care and, and all of those things went into creating that experience. And then, of course, upkeeping it and and then when they named them after those those three important men in uh, in Disney, the Walt Disney Company's history, that really, you know, that's something. Those are stories that should be shared. And absolutely, uh, that's why we decided to talk about the ferry boats. And it is yeah, uh, a, good a, stuff. a different. It's a different way of getting in there. If 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 our listeners haven't tried that, it definitely is uh, something you should experience because it's um, it's a comfortable ride. It's fun. And look. You know, if to the to the average guest, you know, Disney World is just a theme park. It's a place mm -hmm. to go to ride rides and, you know, eat an ice cream bar and then go home. But uh, there's so much more to that. And that's why, I mean, the these creative people that we call Imagineers, that's why they put so much love and and imagination into what they do, because there's so many details that 
if you just take a take a minute or two out of your day and look at some of the details you know there's so many levels and the depth that the the creative people go to to create these experience or experiences are are really truly something to to behold they really are and you know the ferry boats are not just a, a means of transportation they they tell a story and the names of them honor those three guys that quite frankly without them who knows what the parks would look like today they would be very different places and uh, so it's it's fun to to learn about all of those those people and why they're named after those people and everything so lots of and cool it, stories and it also enhances the experience as you mentioned with, with with the idea that walt wanted this grand reveal it does feel that way because as you're on the water and you start seeing in the distance the the magic kingdom between those two uh i think there's two i don't know what you'd call them uh uh, uh areas you slow in, in the distance you can see the castle and it's a it's a grand way of, of presenting that to you when you when you start to arrive there it's really pretty and and plus you get to see what the resorts look like from the vantage point of um of the water not just from the air looking down absolutely and you know i mean uh walt liked to call those park icons he called them the weenie you know because it was you know it, it drew you in and that was the whole idea they the weenie was out there and it was you were trying to get there and it was part of the story you know part of the the story that the imagineers were trying to tell was your your experiences and your your the getting to the destination you know they always say that it's about the journey not the destination yeah. and that's just it that's just why the ferry boats are are special you know it is about the journey and tony you said something a second ago about how uh, a lot of people prefer the monorail because it's futuristic and and all those things and you know walt himself he was he's always had an eye on the future and he was always looking to to try and bring new technologies and stuff but if you think about what walt loved is you know his his desire to bring new and interesting modes of transportation to the parks with the monorail and the the people mover and stuff that began with his love of railroads mm -hmm. you know and you know so Sure, he looked to the future and wanted to bring, you know, new technologies and stuff. But really, the reason he had an interest in uh, those technologies and those different modes of transportation was from his interest in the past with railroads and, you know, those 1880s railroads and the railroad he built in his own backyard. And so are monorails cool and fun? Absolutely. But, you know, the ferry boat can be just as fun if you take a second to, you know, just think about what uh, what you're doing there and and look at look at all your surroundings when you're on that ferry boat put your iphone in your pocket yes and you know unless stop you want to listen to the music yeah absolutely you know stop scrolling for a minute and experience that ferry boat ride across the seven seas lagoon and i promise you you won't be disappointed agreed all right fellas so i think that just about does it for our main segment this week for episode 15 that was a reflection on the walt disney world ferry boats so good stuff thanks for participating in that fellas all right so let's move on to segment number two what's happening now in walt disney world this week lots of magic kingdom and a little resort news to talk about 
And Ron is going to lead us through all the goodies this week. You ready, Ron? Absolutely. And, you know, I think we've talked about it a little bit. Melissa, my wife and I had the opportunity to be at Magic Kingdom and the Disney parks uh, a little bit in March of this past of this year, this past March. And some of the magic, unfortunately, was missing just because so much had been put on pause for, as we know, the world pandemic. So um, most of the news this week that was most fascinating for me is the fact that they're bringing the magic back. So character dining is serving up fun again at Chef Mickey's and other dining locations. Um, Dapper Dan's Barbershop Quartet is back with their Merry Melodies. And that to me is just exciting. Any of the shows that are you know, that's just the music that you get to experience around the parks is always um, so magical and, and good. Um, Christmas Cookie Sundays at Magic Kingdom Park is coming back. Um, you can never go wrong with a cookie Sunday. Uh, Charos are back. Uh, during the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, the electrical water pageant is lighting up the night again. So again, another just... Things that that you don't think of that bring the magic, right? And so a lot of this is coming back. Um, you should start wearing your lanyards back if you if you've been going to the park without them because the Disney pin trading is back. Um, this is cool in the resorts. The gingerbread houses are back in the hotel lobbies. If you've never taken the time to tour some of those lobbies and seen these gingerbread houses. Um, they're incredible. Then, and if you're not getting to go back this holiday season, uh, you may want to go out and look for an episode off of HGTV. They did a whole episode on the gingerbread houses and what it takes to put those together. Very interesting stuff. Um, and hey, Ron, and look, when we say gingerbread houses, like we're not talking about the kind you build on your table in your kitchen, right? No, these these are the are, ones you can walk into. Yeah, like they're they're big enough to you know enter. You know they're right. they're pretty spectacular. And and just so you know, that's not a recent uh, show, so you'll have to do a web search to see it. But I'm sure it's out there. Um, and then talked about that already, and so. I would encourage you guys just to go out there and look at what's coming up, but those are some of the things that are coming back to the resorts in Magic Kingdom specifically. And Ron, you were saying that you've been there, you know, during the pandemic. I haven't. My last trip uh, ended uh, just after New Year's of 2020, so uh, I've been missing all the magic, you know, because yeah. I haven't been there at all. But uh, for those that uh, have been there, you know, you run among them that uh, there's a lot of things that we're missing. And so, you know, we've been hearing little bits and pieces here and there, things kind of trickling back. And, you know, they're, they're trying to make the, make the Disney World experience back, to bring it back to where it was and, you know, right. pre-pandemic. And this is, I mean, this is all pretty good news, you know, more stuff coming back and, you know, yeah. hopefully the world is getting back to normal. And w one of the ways you can tell if that's happening or not, is that some of the magic is coming back to Walt Disney World. So that's good stuff. Yeah. All right, Ron, thanks for sharing that. What's happening now in Walt Disney World? 
So let's go ahead and travel forward to our third segment. What's your favorite? Each week, one of our hosts bring with them a question to ask the other two guys. Those two hosts don't know the questions ahead of, ahead of recording and must answer those questions on the spot. So this week, Tony is going to take the wheel of what's your favorite. And Tony, what you, what you got for us? You have something, a tough question for us this week? Let's see if it's tough for you guys. Let's, uh, this is one I believe we haven't covered yet. But I was wondering, what's your favorite? Do you prefer to stand in line all day for a parade? Or do you prefer to stand in line for the fireworks show? Which one of those two do you think is more worth waiting for? What's your favorite? While you guys are thinking about that, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll mention that for me, I would have to say it's... Um, I have to think about it for a second, but I have to say it, it was, it's the fireworks. I, I think um, for me, those are much more rewarding. I have reasons why I am not that keen on standing there forever for a parade, but that's just a teaser. So why don't we go on to you guys run? I'm looking at you first. So how about you? Sure. Um, I'm a fan of both. Absolutely a fan of both. Um, Standing in line, I'm not a fan of at all. <laughs> but um, if I'm going to stand in line, if I'm going to, and, and if you're going to get a good spot, you, you're going to have to camp out for a minute at either. Um, with the parades being during the day, I'm more apt and more willing to camp out for the fireworks because it's, doesn't interrupt the day as much it's more at the end of the day and and so that's why i would choose that's why i choose the fireworks i like both of them very much um but that yeah i'd camp out for the fireworks more so than the parade that sounds right what about you doing all right so i my you guys know my kids are a little bit older we um let's see my son is now almost 19 my daughter is almost 15 Wow. So yeah, tell me about it. So honestly, it's probably been a few years since we've really stood in line for a parade. Now, if you were to ask me this 10 years ago, uh, I probably, I may have said parade because especially my daughter, she loved the parades. And, and I remember, you know, having her on my shoulders or whatever, and, you know, she's waving at princesses and stuff. And but, you know, here's the, here's the, the stickler. It also may, may have changed my answer if the nighttime parade still existed. So if we still had uh, Main Street Electrical Parade or my favorite, um, the, oh my, and my, my mind just went blank. Hold on. Don't, don't tell me what's the other parade. Uh, Okay, tell me. I can't remember the name of the other parade. My mind just went blank. Not Major Electric. Electric. Spectrum Magic. Spectrum Magic. Spectrum Magic. Holy smokes. How do I forget Spectrum Magic? So I love, 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 love Spectrum Magic. And so if it was, if that still existed, I would probably have picked Parade because Spectrum Magic was so really, so very good. 
And not to say Main Street Electrical, Electrical Parade was, is not good or was not good, but unfortunately, neither of those exist in Walt Disney World anymore. And not really, uh, I'm not a huge daytime parade guy. You know, I don't even know what time the three o'clock parade is, but <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the nighttime parades were something spectacular. So if they were still there, I may be leaning towards parade, but since they're not, and I'm not a daytime parade guy, uh, I'm going to have to go with fireworks. And again, um, wishes, probably my all time favorite fireworks, at least at the magic kingdom. Um, happily ever after was pretty good. Not as good as wishes and enchanted. Uh, I have not seen or will not see. I won't watch it online until, you know, I don't want to spoil it or ruin it. So I, I, the only thing I know about enchantment is the name and I won't know anything about it until I get to experience it in real life. But, um, I would probably go fireworks just because the nighttime parades are gone. So Tony fireworks, I'm going yeah. fireworks. You know, what's funny is that until you guys were speaking, I kind of forgot that there were nighttime parades. I was thinking about the, um, I'm going to say it, the drudgery of standing out there in the sunshine <laughs> for, for watching those things. I, I, I know that we used to try to avoid those daytime parades as much as possible. We would use that time to go on the rides because that's when they would be empty. They would, as soon as, as soon as the, the line started forming for the parade, we'd say, okay, let's get to the other side of the park now and get to those rides now because it's going to, it's going to be madness later. Um, so I, I wasn't a big fan of, of, of the daytime parades, as you say, although I will say, being that it's Disney, it's a spectacle. If you walk by and you see it, you have to look at it. It's it's beautiful looking. It's something fun. But you um, guys are kind of amazing me though. Yeah. I I mean because I'm not a fan of parades out in in the real world, the real world. if you will, yeah. because it becomes a bunch of advertising. But yeah. Disney does a parade. They like, do really really good. They do. And so I still, even though my kids are just as grown and and kind of looking forward to Nyla getting the experiences I oh can yeah live it again but um the parades are pretty I they still draw me in really well look now I'm not uh I'm not saying I don't enjoy the parades now I mean look the um we've talked about it in past episodes the my favorite uh all-time favorite daytime parade was uh, actually for my first trip it was the in 1985 and it was the um mickey street party parade and i i still enjoy that music and but you know i mean and, and not to be the glass half empty guy again but uh honestly i don't feel like the parades of today even compare to the parades from 10 20 years ago they you know disney wrote original music for their parades and uh you know no offense but the the parades that come around nowadays is just using IP music, you know, for the most part, they're throwing out, you know, frozen music or whatever. Now, I haven't seen the cavalcades. I don't know what if they're using what music they use for those. But, you know, I, the the original music that they wrote for the parades, you know, for like that Mickey Street Party was, you know, thank you, Mickey. Thank you, Donald. You know, that whole thing. I'm not going to sing it because. Uh, we'll lose all our listeners, <laughs> but um, it was, it was really good stuff. And, you know, if I want to listen to, and, and that's, uh, you know, I haven't seen them, so I'm not going to complain, 
But if I were to complain, that would be, you know, my my complaint with the new shows, the the harmonious and enchantment is that it's just IP music and it's just, you know, you got a friend in me from Toy Story and, you know, whatever from Moana. But I will say, like you things. mentioned before about the Main Street Electrical Parade, they actually included that music in there. However, it was done in that hoedown style, which was totally different and went in with uh, with with the pageant itself. So it yes. created a, a even though you, you, you might be listening and go, oh, yeah, that's um, a very merry on birthday. You didn't realize that until it's running around in your head. It wasn't specifically, you know, a whole new world or something blaring at you so i, I kind of see what you mean but, but speaking of parades i mean the the main street electrical parade which i got to actually see at disneyland when i was there you know, however many years ago as well as spectral magic those were really great those for me are actually worth sticking around waiting for but because you said they're nighttime parades that i think that makes a big bit of a difference it's cooler in the park you've done everything you're going to do so it's good to stand around although i will say there's always that moment in you that you're like okay let me get out of here before the rest of the crowd is going to go or uh, <laughs> i've got a few hours to stick around i'm just going to stick around the park till everybody's gone and, and then leave which is fun also do you remember back in the good old days with the nighttime parades they would actually show it twice mm -hmm. so the 9 p.m we would be on rides like you were saying during the parades Tony. yeah you you could skip that one and go do rides and then after the fireworks, they would do the the either the Main Street Electrical Parade or Spectral Magic again at 11 p.m. And that one, the parade route wasn't as crowded. And, you know, you could enjoy the parade. Like you said, it was cooler at night and stuff. I really miss those nighttime parades. Yeah. That yeah. was uh, kind of you for me, like the 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 heyday or the the golden age of, of Walt Disney World when, you know, you could see those nighttime parades. It was so. the nightcap to the day. Yes. Yes, definitely. absolutely. And you know, your feet are so tired that you don't, you know, you you like sitting on the curb for a little bit exactly. and watching uh watching the parade. So well, I'd know. love to hear what uh what our audience thinks out there. Which which what what do you prefer? Yes, what is your favorite out there, listeners? What is your favorite between standing and watching a parade or standing and watching the the nighttime fireworks spectaculars? What is your favorite? We want to know. All right. So, Tony, thanks for that, bringing us this week's What's Your Favorite? And that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections podcast. Please find and follow us on all our social media outlets. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast, and on Twitter at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on many podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast. If you love the show, please leave us some positive feedback on Apple Podcasts. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from those social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, requests for some trip tips, ideas for future podcast topics, or anything else you can think of. We'd love to hear from you. And please keep coming back because we truly appreciate you. Thanks for reflecting on Walt Disney, Walt Disney World memories with us on the WDW Reflections podcast. See you real soon. <laughs>